podcast y'all this is jared shaffitt and artemis brower we're coming to you with episode 13 already 13 lucky number 13 already how we feeling feeling good man feeling real good episode 13 i can't believe we keep cranking these things out at the at the pace that we're cranking these things out um but you know i, I, I feel real good about it have a real good interview today so uh let's start this damn show man let's do it yeah let's let's get this thing rolling uh like already mentioned we have a great interview uh we talk a little bit of Big Rock Blue Marlin fishing with mm-hmm. with our buddy CJ Struck, uh, former offensive lineman at ECU Center, uh, snapper, long snapper. Um, so that, that that's a good good conversation we had with him, and Absolutely. we're excited for y'all to hear that. Um, but already there's uh, there's a little bit of a buzz right now around college football. Mm-hmm. Um, so players are starting to return. Back players are getting ready for the season. Mm-hmm. They're going through their voluntary workouts, so that, that's that's big time. It, it's good to see that. Um, now, talking about that, what are you doing for, to prepare for the season? Well, honestly, I didn't I didn't think that we were going to get the season to start on time, and so now that the season is actually you know planning to start on time, I'm I'm just giddy. I'm like I'm like a little kid in a in a, in a candy store, even though this is kind of you know what we've been used to our entire life, but. Dealing with COVID, dealing with everything else that's been going on around the country, I cannot wait to get some college football back in my life, to get some ECU football back in my life. Um, week zero with Marshall, I am so, so, so looking forward to that. What is it? Is it the 50-year anniversary? It's the 50-year anniversary 50. of the tragic plane crash right. um, that happened on the way back to Huntington, West Virginia, mm-hmm. um, carrying the Marshall football team. So that, that's something that, I mean, ECU and – Marshall, it's a tragedy that brings us together. It's a rivalry that's built out of love, mm-hmm. um, out of compassion for each other, and that that's something we talked about it's last week. It's a gentleman's rivalry. It's absolutely yeah, a gentleman's it, rivalry. It's not like it's not like the rivalry with those puppies down at NC State, <laughs> where I absolutely hate them. But right. um, it, it's a it's a rivalry that we we all recognize is something that okay. This is a this is a Big thing, not only for the ECU and Marshall football communities, mm-hmm. but it's a big thing for lovers of sports. It's a big thing for um, anybody that likes college football. If you if you know any of the history between these two schools, then you realize, okay, yeah, this is a this is a big time thing for for both universities. Yep. Um, and for it to happen on week zero, I mean, ESPN and the two athletic departments and the two universities. Agreed to move the game up a week to to really give it that to give it that um, presence to show okay yeah this one stands out above pretty much all other games mm-hmm. um, so that, that that's a big time thing to happen for ECU it's it's important for for us to see that um, and Artie guess what you know what it is what's that it's only twelve weeks away twelve twelve weeks it's three months three months. We're 12 weeks That's away. That's still too far away from me. I want it, like, next week. But I'm that, so excited. That, just think about it. It's the length of a college football season away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we, we'll have some college football to talk about here in the very near future. Um, but with week zero going on, uh, there's been some kind of, like, buzz around Greenville, kind of like I was mentioning earlier. Um, Greenville is quite possibly going to host – College game day. 
Um, as a lot of people have been talking about. Now, is that just buzz or is this like legitimate, you know, Greenville could actually legitimately host a college game day this fall? It's buzz mm-hmm. for now. Um, so let me let me break it down to those of you that may be living under a rock on, on social media or whatnot, but mm-hmm. you're still listening to the best podcast out for ECU Athletics. Um, <laughs> let me talk to you a little bit about what's going on. So Notre Dame and Navy were supposed to play week zero in Ireland. But due to COVID-19 and everything else going on mm-hmm. in the world, uh, Notre Dame and Navy have moved that game back stateside to Annapolis, Maryland, and moved it to week one. Um, so now you've only got like five or six games, only one game really going on on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got all these other West Coast schools. I know you got like Hawaii at Arizona or something like that. Right. you got like UNLV playing, uh, Cal Berkeley playing, like schools like that, those California schools. And a lot of those schools might not even play due to COVID-19. You never know. Yeah. So it might be a big thing that looking at it, week zero, having this – rivalry game that we've already kind of talked about touched on um it might be a big thing for espn to go ahead and say hey let's let's do a college game day at one of the most raucous uh venues for college football in in north carolina or probably the most raucous in north carolina and one of the top in the southeast and not to knock any of those schools out west you know those those, those are plenty good schools i got out some west coast bias um <laughs> but but you know ecu marshall you know we touched on this the 50 year anniversary of, of of the tragedy um it's a week zero game. Like you said, it's the only game that's going to be on the East Coast that weekend. Um, and, and to be able to bring a college game day to ECU, I don't think people truly understand just how many people would come to a college game day. It's not just students. We're talking about alumni out the wazoo that would come back just for this. Um, it would be such a monumental thing, not, not just for you know ECU, but for Marshall as well, the exposure that we would get from it. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think it, I think it would be phenomenal. Um, I don't know all the logistics that go behind setting this up or who's chirping in ESPN's ear trying to get this, you know, get this thing rolling. Uh, but I, you know, and we touched on this a few weeks ago, having, talking about having a college game day at ECU and where possibly could they set up. Um, so I'd be interested to hear what you think. Uh, personally, where we could actually have a college yeah, game day on campus. So personally. Uh, I mean, if I had to choose one spot, I would probably say let's set that thing up in the SPC lot. SPC lot. Let, let's set that. I mean, there's enough room down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're close enough to the stadium. You're on campus. Um, that would probably be my first choice. Um, but to be honest, sorry, Alpha Phi, you don't really have, or formerly Alpha Phi, you don't mm-hmm. really have the greatest backscape or the greatest view from there. You're going to look across, you're going to see the band practice field. Yeah. Um, you're not going to really get a great view of College Hill or whatnot. So if if I really wanted to go for from a view mm-hmm. standpoint, what you, re- you really want? Um, you really want to kind of highlight what ECU's about, mm-hmm. um, kind of the the history of ECU or how well built our athletics program, mm-hmm. our athletics are. So I mean, who knows? I might I might just say, hey, let's uh let's throw it up right there and. On main campus, on the mall. On the mall. That's 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 my number one. Right, choice. right in front of the cupola, and uh, and call it a day. Right in front, of, right in front of the cupola. Have it right there on the mall. You get a nice backdrop of our beautiful campus. You get to see the fountain, and people really get to experience what ECU actually is because they just think it's a party school and it's not, you know, 
It's not a legitimate university. And if you've never really seen East Carolina, then you don't know just how gorgeous our, our main campus really is. And I think that will be such a great way to, you know, showcase what we really are. Yeah, um, have Lee Corso walk out. Walk. We'll have him walk under the cupola so he can never leave. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep him there. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that would be a great place to have it. Um, I think that I think that'd be a fun place, just mm-hmm. kind of a way for everybody to get there, get there, and there, there's plenty of places to hang out mm-hmm. right around there. If you're hanging out downtown and you want to come by and see the see the college game day, hell, stop on your way to the stadium. If, if rather than taking the bus from downtown to the stadium, just walk. It's only it's only another five ten minute walk. Mm-hmm. Um, Add it on so. That's what I would recommend, Artie. What now? What would you say about about where you would want to have college game? You'd want to have it on the mall, on the mall, and then I was uh, another spot. Um, the backdrop of, of of our new town bank um, tower. You okay, know, maybe maybe having having that set up. You know where that where that that parking lot is at, where most of the tailgating would be. Instead of having the tailgating there for for that Saturday afternoon or morning, uh, you'd have you know the college game day set up. You'd have all the students, and then you'd have the backdrop. Of, of Town Bank and the stadium in the in the back, like I, I think that would also be a nice visual, a nice view. Another cool place that I think you could have, and you would have to get agreement from the from the school. Mm-hmm. If you could have it at Elmhurst, right okay. there, where you got a lot of alumni tailgating, you got um, you got a lot of that going on. So I think that I think that would be a cool place. Or um, hell, why not just have it in the Sup Dogs parking lot? <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, Sup Dogs is the most famous thing on our campus right now. So yeah, that might work as well. So yeah, that th- those are some great places that we could have it. Um, but y'all, it, it, there, ESPN hasn't announced mm-hmm. what they're gonna do, and and they might not have a week zero, and they might not, and because they, they have, have they haven't traditionally. Yeah, they traditionally don't have a week zero college game day. Mm-hmm. They did last year, but traditionally they haven't had one. My thing, my, looking at it from my perspective, my thought on it is, okay, if they're going to have college game day, mm-hmm. they're going to have to have, or one, from a financial standpoint, ESPN's been bleeding a ton of money since COVID-19. They haven't had as much to show other than the last dance with Michael Jordan. Right. Right? That That's all they've had Which to show. Which drew in tremendous ratings, but that, yeah, outside of that, outside of that, had much. All people have been watching are, is marble racing on ESPN. So, <laughs> or cornhole championship. Or cornhole championship. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it, ECU uh, came in like first or second. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have a very legitimate cornhole championship. Uh, that's because they're <laughs> getting all their practice in on game days before Dowdy Ficklin. So, yeah, um, that, that that's something that ESPN's got to be thinking of. So, they may not have the budget. They may do a remote one mm-hmm. due to COVID-19, but – I mean, I've got to think that in the back of their minds, they could say, okay, this is the first time, like the first time really any sports has been on. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you've got the NBA. Are you more informed about what's going on with the NBA? Well, yeah. yeah, When when are they starting back? July 31st. July 31st. And that is going to be from Orlando. I think all, uh, you have 22 teams coming back and they're all going to be in Orlando, all going to be under pretty much under one roof. Um, and that's how they're going to operate that MLB. We don't know when they're coming back. 
Um, I think the NHL is, is proposing a plan to come back sometime in so, July. So NHL's planning to come back um, kind of the same timeline as mm-hmm. the NBA. Those two, those two leagues kind of they do everything yeah. together. Yeah, they do. Because um, their seasons are pretty much the same. Yeah. So. And that, that's not to get too far off the rails, but, I mean, that's something that the NHL is looking at. Mm-hmm. They're looking at actually changing when their season is, changing it from October to April to changing it to January to July. Okay. Um, rather, So that way they're not having to compete with – Right, they're kind of by themselves. They're just, just competing with baseball, they're, they're competing with baseball, and they're only competing with the first half of baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really being able to pull in. And I'll leave – I think the NBA would like that. Um, Absolutely. And then the NFL is not going to give a crap about whatever happens. You but, can't compete with the NFL. But <laughs> they the NHL then won't have to compete with them but for a couple weekends in January and February. Mm-hmm. And they just won't do games on Saturday and Sunday pretty much. Right. Um, so, yeah, that that's what I'm thinking of. But um, this could be your first – this could be your first sporting event live to really happen in America that's not uh, – it's not NASCAR or not some of these golfers like Phil Mickelson and mm-hmm. Tiger Woods playing with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, which that was very entertaining, by the way. But like that, that's like it's not going to be. But I understand that. where you're coming from. This mm-hmm. is your first true team, team event oriented sport. Yep, um, that could be happening, and since it's on the East Coast, it's likely going to happen earlier. Like we mentioned earlier, ESPN and the two universities have said, "Hey." Let's come together. Let's make sure this game is on one of the ES, like top ESPN name brands. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be on ESPN The Ocho or ESPN 3 or whatever. Right. It's going to be on front and center on ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's going to be big time. So why not capitalize on that by, have a college game day by having a college game day? That is my from my perspective. Yeah. Um, as the guy that, I mean, as a marketing professional, that's what I'm thinking of is, how can I get that game in front of as many eyes as possible? And that that's going to be the first thing. Get everybody ramped up. Mm-hmm. They're already ramped up. Then you throw on the storyline of COVID-19. You throw on the storyline of the 50-year anniversary of the Marshall plane crash. Um, I, I think I think that's a great opportunity for ECU, to, or ECU and Marshall to have college game day come to ECU. And it's going to be... It's going to be a fun place, and, I mean, hopefully Lee Corso would be able to put on the pirate <laughs> put head. Put on the pirate, put on PD the pirate. But the, the one thing that we're all forgetting here is the COVID-19. And and, and I was just going to mention that, you know, I, I, as much as I agree with you, and I think that's a phenomenal idea, um, if we do have a college game day in, in Greenville, there will be no social distancing. People will be out. People will be tailgating. People will be partying. But my, my thought is, even if you don't have a – even if you don't have fans in the stands, uh, that that's a shout-out to our friends in the ECU jungle, fans in the stands, mm-hmm. one up, one down. Um, but even if you don't have fans in the stands, i got to think around Greenville – on game days mm-hmm. for football games, if we have college football, they're still going to be tailgating. Oh, absolutely. The, out the wazoo. The restaurants are open, so people are still going to be going out and eating, eating and watching the games or mm-hmm. getting together at a fraternity house, getting together at a house and hanging out and watching a football game. 
You just might not have the people in the stadium, but you're going to have those people all around the stadium getting together and watching the games. Now, are you suggesting that they have the college game day without the the fans and the students? That's like, not what I'm, that's not what I'm su- that's not what I'm suggesting. But I'm suggesting that even without a college football season or a college fans at a college football game, mm-hmm. I think you're going to have still have that tailgating. It may not be as much, but you're still going to have. You know for a fact that you're not going to stop the fraternities and sororities and. Everybody, all the students. No, as 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 soon as as soon as the schedule comes out and and it's a go. Yeah. Fraternities and and sororities are already planning tailgates. Yeah. What they're going to do? I mean, that's and that's a rain given. or shine, rain or shine. Alumni is going to come back and, and and be in their usual spots for for tailgates. That's a given. So, so while you might not actually be able to go into the stadium, I mean, there's an opportunity for you to. I mean, you're going to be hanging out mm-hmm. tailgating. No, I was hearing that they will allow some fans. Like they'll, they'll I think it's going to be fifteen to twenty five percent capacity in some stadiums. I was, I was hearing that. Um, I don't know how well that's going to go over, um, but that, I was hearing that they, they might allow. I mean, hell, you look at you look at the governor of Texas who just said that starting July first or something like that, they're going to allow twenty five to fifty percent mm-hmm. of fans in in stadiums. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I'm one of these sports leagues that. It's having to consider, okay, do we come back? Do we have fans? Do we not have fans? I honestly might be looking at a place in Texas, Dallas, or or in Houston, one of these places, and say, hey, let's go there. Uh, at least we'll be able to have some fans. And I think be it's able a lot to bring in some gate revenue. Yeah, and I think it's a lot different in the South, too, where football, especially college football, is more of a dominant money maker than it is anywhere else in the country. You know, I know the SEC – they are really going to be pushing to have full capacity. In, in, in all honesty, I, I think they're really going to push to you know we want the season to start on time, we want the stadiums to be full. I really think that conference is going to push for that. Um, but I, I definitely think it's a regional thing as far as stadium capacity goes. Yeah, I I, I believe that as well. Um, but I, I've got to say, I think I think it's eventually going to happen. We're going to say, okay, yeah, there's we're going to have fans somewhere. But I mean, looking at it. August 29th, I mean, I don't want to get political, but that's, I mean, that's around the time that the Republican National Convention was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And the governor of North Carolina has basically said no dice to that, right. um, Roy Cooper. So, Aaron on the side of precaution. And that, that's to be understood. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of looking at that as a precursor to what might happen with college football um, I've seen some reports. I don't want to claim that I'm a scientist or a biologist or whatever. I'm not. I studied marketing. <laughs> I I took one biology class and barely made it through that. So um, I'll, I'll say that looking at it, there's people that know more than we do. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen reports where this virus, it doesn't really – it's not able to really survive outside. It once it gets outside, it's more on its surfaces. And at this point, most people are showing atypical symptoms. Like they're not, even if they have it, they're not showing symptoms of yeah. having the actual coronavirus. But but that still shows. I mean, that's still um, transferable. Mm-hmm. You you can still get somebody sick. Absolutely. Even if, if you you're even if you're asymptomatic, but. It's one of those things where you're like, man, like, what, what are you gonna do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you gonna do? You, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. 
But to me, looking at it from a standpoint of, okay, this is, it's time to start opening things back up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with all the other things that are going on in America right now, it's we're really going to see whether this uh, COVID-19 is the real deal or not. Right. Because, I, and I agree with you. I, I think we're already in phase two here in North Carolina. Um, it's June. I think by August, you know, pretty much everything. I'm not going to say it's going to be back to normal. We're definitely still, you know, nothing will ever be the same. But I, I, I think we're going to be at a be at a point where people are out and about, people are moving around, people are kind of doing the things that they used to do before coronavirus. So, and and it's June. We're already in phase two. So I definitely I I, I agree with you, and I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, going back to our main topic of discussion here. Hopefully, everything will align, and we'll have college game. And we'll day. have college game day. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we just want a college game day in Greenville. We we ECU deserves it. Greenville deserves it. Um, this rivalry deserves it. And Kirk, uh, Lee, all you guys, if y'all want me to come up, Desmond, Desmond Reese, I think Reese, yeah. uh, Maria Taylor, the if y'all bear. Want, the Bear Bears Big Board. I'll come up and I'll make y'all pick. Take the cover. Take ECU to cover the spread. Week one. We heard it last week. Holden Aylers. Uh, we heard it from Morgan Aylers, Holden's dad, saying that he's throwing the ball better than he's ever thrown it in his life. So take the spread. ECU's going to cover. We're going to win that game. And we're going to leave week one, 1-0 one and against Marshall. Write it down. Mark it down. Put that in your pipeline and smoke it. <laughs> So, yeah, um, guys, we're, we're hoping that college game day can come. But if they want me to come up there and, and be the celebrity guest picker. Yeah. <laughs> Savannah, Savannah keeps asking me since I've started this podcast, do you think you're famous yet? I don't, I'm not famous. I'm just doing it for the Pirate Nation. Yeah, no, we're, not, we're not famous. <laughs> we're not famous. But if they want me to be the celebrity guest picker, I'll, I'll go up there and uh, in, in place of Sandra Bullock or Vince McMahon, who haven't done jack shit for the university. Well, he goes to the uh, business program, uh, <laughs> School of Business, you know, I guess every five years or so. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guarantee as a School of Business alum, I, I never really saw any of that. I don't know what Sandra Bullock is giving back to East Carolina. She hasn't so. done anything. That, that's a story for another day. That's right. Most of you already know that story. We're not bashing them. They're good people. We're not They're great them. people, but, I mean, they did. ECU School of the Arts kind of did Sandra Bullock wrong. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Artie. I think that was a great discussion. I think I think we're both in agreement that college game day could possibly come to mm-hmm. Greenville. Um, and I, I hope it does. And if it doesn't come this year, I think we're on that edge. And as, as you'll hear like us talk about in past episodes or in future episodes, Artie and I both agree that this is the time that ECU's turning that, that corner, right? So – um, hopefully in the, in the next couple of years, we'll, we'll be able to say, okay, it's time to go. It's we're, we're that number 10 school mm-hmm. right around 2025 when conferences start to realign. realign. Exactly. And we're, hopefully we'll be a top tier program by that point in time. And then there will be no excuse. There's no excuse. Y'all ESPN, y'all send those guys down here. We'll have a grand old time. We'll get you some cheesy bacon delights. Some cheesy bacon tots. Uh, we'll get 
Artie will bring you some Omars. Um, <laughs> it'll be cold by then because they're only open like <laughs> they're only open on Saturdays. I think they're only open on Saturday, so we'll go out Fridays after the game. Uh, we'll we'll do that. We'll we'll take you out to some uh, get some bees barbecue. Um, get some barbecue from from down there. I'm trying to think what else could, what else could we bring them? Uh, trying trying to throw out some names. Oh man, you got Parker's barbecue. Yeah. Um, do a blind taste test, bees and Parker's. Maybe give them something from Dowdy or UBE. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm all about it. So yeah, we'll we'll have to get y'all down here. We'd love to have y'all. If you're listening, Kirk, come on the podcast. We'd love to have you, Lee. Hey man, you can carry a PD sword. I'm sure I, I've got a connection. I know I know a guy, so I'm sure he could. Uh, I'm sure we could get you PD sword. Put you in the in the pirate hat and the pirate head, and we'll we'll call it a day. Okay. All right. Well, if y'all want to call me, just call me. Send us an email, boneyardpod at gmail.com. Jared's reaching a little bit right now. <laughs> we'll we'll get everything sorted out. Tom McClellan. We'll we'll get everybody worked out. We'll get everything sorted out. We'll we'll be the middleman here um, between ESPN and the university. <laughs> All right, um, but Artie, this was such a great conversation. Let's uh, let's carry this over. Absolutely. How about we go into the conversation we had with CJ Struck, former offensive lineman. Great interview with CJ Struck. Uh, can't wait to uh, get into that, and can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's get into it. Yep. All right. Let's go rip some lips. <laughs> So today we're pleased to be joined by a uh, former offensive lineman at ECU. He was also a long snapper. Uh, one of the great all-around guys. We're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, his time at ECU, but also um, what he's doing with the Big uh, Big Rock Tournament, Blue Marlin Fishing, uh, coming up in Beaufort here in the next couple of weeks. We're pleased to be joined by C.J. Struck. How's it going, C.J.? Hey, Jared. Good to see you, man. Everything's going good. Going good. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear that. We're, we're, we're glad you're doing well. Uh, so we've been asking everybody, it's kind of the easiest question to kind of get started off with. How have you been doing during this, uh, cra- this crazy time during, during quarantine and whatnot? Man, I've been doing good. I've been trying to find, you know, toilet paper and paper towel. <laughs> yeah, we all right. are. <laughs> yeah, everybody's I, had that issue, but uh, everything's good, man. I, we were deemed essential where I work in my family's business. So uh, that working didn't really change. We didn't have to work from home or anything. Um, but every you know, day-to-day stuff, was, you know, it's been weird for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you're, you work for a family-owned company. Your family owns it, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. So uh, tell us a little bit about what y'all do. Uh, it's TMX, right? Yep. TMX shipping. We're an international freight forwarder that specializes in exporting U.S. logs and lumber overseas to China, Europe, Middle East. Oh, wow. Very cool. That's anywhere other than the United States. That, that, that's very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, you're, you're kind of set up in a weird place right now. Uh, I'm looking at you. Are you on the boat? Is that, is that where you are? <laughs> I'm not on the boat, actually. I shall wish our boat looked this nice inside. I'm actually in my dad's office. We're about, we're about to go out in the boat. And I said, man, I need to make sure I can hear those guys. So, yeah, this is dad's office, and that's the boat's out there. I don't know if y'all oh, can see okay. Oh, wow, wow, not, wow. not a bad marina. view. Yeah, yeah not, not a bad <laughs> view at all. No, not too bad of a view. But, man, it's, it's hot today. It's about 90-something degrees out, so I'm going to sit in the A.C. and do this one. 
Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So where are you now? Beaufort? Is that where that is? Uh, Moorhead City. Moorhead City, Moorhead okay. City. It's the hometown. Yep. Yeah, hometown. Yep. Yeah, my, my family, we actually – Artie and I just went down there. We have a house down in Emerald Isle. So, oh, sweet. Yeah, good yeah. Job, man. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? That place is cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, promise. I, I absolutely love my time going down there. I, I pretty much grew up t- doing my summers there. So, great place to be. My uh, mm-hmm. my cousin actually went to West Carteret where you where you kind of – where you came into your high school career and uh, you played in high school. Uh, what, what was that like when you were at West Carteret? What was that like when you were – trying to get found by some of these schools playing in kind of a smaller area, a smaller school like that. Yeah, man, that was always a struggle. Uh, as soon as high school started, you kind of had to sell yourself and make sure you went to camps during the summer. Um, we, we knew we had to turn it up when we played J.H. Rose or Havelock because you knew there would be scouts there. Um, but unless you're playing one of those teams, it was hard to get a scout to come to West Carteret. It was just, like you said, small town. Not a ton of athletes have been taken out of there. I know the, the past couple of years has been a little bit better on that side of things, but uh, it was tougher, man. I think when you live in a bigger city, you know, you kind of had, a, you know, you're a little fish in a big pond, but you kind of had exposure a little better, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And so did, was was the decision to come to ECU, was that, was that a hard decision? Was that something you had already kind of planned in, when you were thinking about going, where you were going to school? Yeah, man, that was uh, – it was kind of – I mean, my mom found she was pregnant with me when I was – you know, I guess I wasn't born, but at an ECU game. Uh, just and then dad played there. Mom was a uh, – she was in the girls' flip batons. I can't remember what they're called. Oh, um, so, it's kind of been destined, man, all of our family. Yeah, so uh, – and then dad, like I said, played eight, I think 83 through 86. Um, and I grew up going to games, man. And it's uh, – I had some offers at little schools, uh, but – now, ECU was kind of the big show. I wanted to give that dream a shot. So that was always the goal. ECU was always the uh, the, the end goal. The state. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I would, I would um, love to go to Alabama, of course, or something like that. But right, I'm, right. I, I was realistic, and uh, and that was always – that was just as good as going to Alabama, man. It was it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, we, we were glad – we're glad to have you. I mean, you're, you're a lifelong pirate, um, definitely. So – just uh, wanted to see. So you came in during the kind of the beginning stages of that great 2000, early 2010 run, um, that first part of that decade right there. Um, what was that like playing mm-hmm. under Coach Ruffin McNeil? Oh, man, Coach Ruff, he was, he was a player's coach, no doubt. He was uh, a great role model. You know, great father figure to all of us boys, 125 of us. Um, he was hard on us, but he loved us, you know, right after. You know, he was uh, really fun to play for. Lincoln Riley was awesome to play for, Diane Kirkpatrick. We were we were very uh, blessed who we had coaching us. I, I would say that, walking into that. Um, but, yeah, man, it was awesome experience. I, I came in as a preferred walk-on, so I was kind of uh, under the radar for the first year, even more than the redshirt freshmen. So, um really had to do something to stand out and those coaches believed in me and gave me a shot. And and, and CJ, you know, as a as an offensive lineman, as a specifically as a as a center, what kind of relationship do you have to have with a quarterback in order to be, you know, successful? You know, at that that center quarterback tandem, you know, it, it kind of gets overlooked a lot, but what kind of oh, relationship yeah. do you have to have to kind of make that thing really successful? 
man, other than being a roommate with them, and that's about everything but being a roommate with them. Because if you're a roommate with them, then you get tired of each other. <laughs> me, and Shane, me and Shane, really good friends, still great friends now. Um, I just took a trip with them in November down to St. Thomas. Uh, and we've been tight since center days. Um, but you have to, I mean, you watch film together. You have to work out together, you know, in the weight room, on the field, after practice, snaps. We snap 100 footballs every after, after practice period. Wow. Um, and pre-practice period, you know, that was, it's just like human nature. You had, you had to be on, on at all times. So you have to be very tight with your quarterback. For sure. Yeah. So and along those lines, I mean, we, we had worth Gregory on a couple, couple weeks ago. Uh, oh, yeah. What, what was your experience like playing with him and, and snapping the, the ball to him? Man. So I really only got to snap the worth in practice. Um, because I, I would do field goal snaps more than the punt snaps. I did one punt snap my whole career, and that was in uh, backed up in Tulsa. No, not Tulsa, Tulane, when they played in the Superdome. Mm. And um, Charlie Coggins, I think, got a concussion or something. I was a second-string long snapper about starting center. So I had to go out there with my knee braces on, and that was, wasn't very pretty running down the field on punt you know, protection. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, it was fun with Worth, too. You know, I didn't get snapped to him in a game. Um, but he was a great punter, you know, and uh, just a great dude, too. Now, CJ, something we always uh, ask a lot of the, the former players that come on our show, um, what was your fondest memory on the field as a Pirate? Uh, beating – probably beating UNC at UNC the first time. Okay. And then uh, beating State that same year. That was the 2013 season. Yep. Really good. Um, and they were doing the Purple Gold chant. I think at the state game. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was we pretty bad. Carter family. <laughs> we gave them that. We gave them that butt whoop, and they didn't uh, ran them out of their stadium. That was pretty cool. And that uh, <laughs> that's when we were like, man, we're pretty damn good. You know, this this might be something special. And uh, as an awesome best year by far, I think. Yeah, that that was a great year. That was already in my our uh, freshman year. Freshman year, yep. So uh, okay. almost wanted to call us call it our rookie year yeah. for some reason. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. yeah that, that was our freshman year. So, but yeah, like I was saying, you you had all those great times at ECU, those times of um, winning and the the what was it, ten win season in twenty thirteen. The you had the um, nine win season in twenty fourteen, and then twenty fifteen, your senior year started to kind of is where it started to kind of fall apart. But um, what what was that like? the night that we put 70 on Carolina, what was that like from your standpoint with, with those guys, with Shane and Justin and, and those guys, what was, what was it like being, being on the field for all that offense? Oh man, it was, that was a crazy game. Um, and that, and that's another staple in you know, my career memories. Uh, and that's, we realized we're damn, we're pretty damn good too this year as well. Um, just being able to hang it up on my head because we knew things were dwindling down a little bit when those seniors left that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we knew that was – our senior year was going to be – we should have went to a bowl game, but we knew that our junior year, you know, we better not take this one for granted. Um, but beating them on the – you know, that Purple Sky night, that was – that was awesome. You know, they were – we wore them down. It didn't matter. They had all those four or five stars. And uh, we, we earned it and gave them a butt with them. So, that was a cool experience. Now – Outside of uh, Shane, do you keep up with anybody else in the uh, in the program? Yeah, me and Rocco Scarfone, um, okay. we were roommates actually in college, all five years. 
and uh, hang out with Jamie Grove, Jake Geary. Um, I still talk to a lot of the boys uh, that played that I don't see all the time. Um, me and JT Boyd are great friends, my other roommate. Um, Hunter Fur. I don't know if y'all remember Fur. He came from UNC, and uh, he was a transfer running back. Yep. And he didn't – he played a lot of special teams, and then he kind of had a couple, I think, offensive plays. But he, he was a hell of an athlete, too, and uh, hang out with him. Probably see him once a month, too. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, man, has, yeah, everybody's doing good, it seems like, and uh, kind of finding their jobs and finding their, their career and what they want to do with their life. So it's good to see. Yeah, but, definitely. And kind of on the flip side of that, with – I know we've, we've had a kind of a stopgap. Uh, uh, that's what I'll call it, um, between Coach Roth and Coach Mike Houston. Um, with the new coaching staff, I mean, there's some guys that are, have come back to ECU, like Donnie Kirkpatrick. Um, what, what have – they done have they asked you to come back asked any of the other guys to come back and and talk to the players or be a be a part of it yeah man so well kurt dole i believe kurt's gonna be there again he's doing some player personnel stuff he reaches out to all the players and uh asks us to come back before games and then go in the game field and uh you know kind of interact with the players that are there now um they send you know messages out to us probably once a month letting us know of events or part you know, join the Pirate Club or come to a golfing event and kind of just mingle with all the old heads. And uh, I think they're def- – we, see, we never really did that uh, up until probably last year. You know, we got – us guys graduated, and I don't know, we just wasn't really any love, you felt. You couldn't go to practices when uh, Montgomery was there. I never met him. But um, it just – Mike Houston's bringing more of that rough feel, I think, and uh, wanting their family to come back. Yeah, and that that's the one thing that I noticed from – the Scotty Montgomery days was during during Ruff's time. You would see every once in a while. You would see some of the guys from those early '90s teams, those late '80s, mid '80s teams coming back and and showing kind of what a true pirate is. And I mean that that's I mean whether we want to believe it or not, we we've all got a chip on our shoulder as pirates. Um, oh, yeah. So what what does it mean for you to have that chip on your shoulder to be a pirate. What does what does that mean when when some, you tell somebody, "Hey, I'm an East Carolina pirate." Oh man, I mean, you know, everything you're you know you, you you're given, you've earned it. You weren't really necessarily given anything. You know, you had to go the harder way to get it. Um, my story, I was prefer, preferred walk on, and uh, I was too short. Everybody told me that, and I kind of used that as motivation in my chip on my shoulder, right, to try to earn a scholarship, earn a starting spot, which um, I did, and that was that was all based off, you know, the motivation of people telling you you couldn't do anything. And that is how people treated the Pirates over many years. And I think it's we, – we play better when we're doubted and uh, and pissed off a little bit, and that's the chip on our shoulder we use. And you take that into life, too, and work environment, same way, you know, you never get comfortable and that blue-collar type of guy is how you act. So I think that that's what I would say. Now, CJ, kind of switching gears a little bit, I kind of want to get into this Big Rock uh, Marlin tournament. What, what is that like a family tradition? Is that, you know, is that something you just picked up on your own? What led, led you know, into uh, you getting into this uh, Big Rock tournament? So it's 60, I think it's the 62nd tournament this year, 62nd uh, anniversary. Um, so my dad's fished it probably when I was a kid, and we got our own boat back in 2008. So we've been fishing it, what, 12 years now. Um, and, uh, it, you know, yeah, it's just been kind of family tradition now. My future future wife, now fiance, I guess you should say, 
she is the assistant director, so she's uh, we're real involved on that side of things too. Um, so now I don't really have a choice not to be involved. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's an awesome thing. I think it's the best thing to happen to Moorhead, and um, especially during these weird, crazy times, man. It's, it's good to have something to look forward to. Um, right. And you know we got some uh, supposedly we got some cool people fishing it this year. I don't know if you guys have heard. Yeah, I saw Michael Jordan's boat down there. Yeah, um, MJ's going to be in. Yeah, okay. yeah that's, that's I, awesome. I can't remember what I saw. It's got some kind of name. I, I don't know what the name of it was, but I saw his boat down there. I saw an Instagram picture. I was like, damn, son. That's, like, that's good. Yeah. That's big time. Uh, yeah, but, man. And, you know, he's from Wilmington, so that's like only an hour and a half from here. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Him and dad actually played basketball against each other in high school. Um, dad played at East Carteret. He played at Laney. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was kind of cool. I wish that that I, mean, I think they played together at some UNC camps and stuff uh, in high school. So, um, but yeah, he's uh, he's fishing, and I believe some two NASCAR guys. I don't know their names, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. It's supposed to be a big big turnout though, even though this COVID stuff. It seems like everybody's ready to get out of the house and go fishing. So yeah, ready to social distance on a boat, go out there and yeah. with <laughs> eight or nine of their best friends and right, have, get six, six have it off, rip some whips, right. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the boat. The, it's the piracy, correct? Yeah, piracy. Obviously, that came from uh, being EC pirates and uh, mm-hmm. and being on the water. You never that's what pirates were. So it's um it's stuck, and we're building another boat right now, a center console, like a thirty four foot boat, and we're naming it Piracita. So okay. yeah, they kind of go together. You got to keep both of them now, um, or the names won't make sense. So. <laughs> So, so what are we working with? How, how big of a boat is it? It's a 61-foot shear line. Ooh, yeah, man. It's, uh, yeah, and you kind of need that if you're doing that fishing offshore. You can kind of go when it's rough. And, you know, a smaller boat, you can't um, – it's too rough. you got to stay in shore. So, mm-hmm. if you want marlin fish, you really need a big, big boat with a door on, in the back so you can pull that, that big guy in or big girl. And the big ones are girls. So. Yeah, so now you've been doing it for – you said – Y'all have had the boat for 12 years now. Yeah. What's the biggest marlin that you've pulled in? <laughs> I was just going to ask that. The biggest one that I've, when I've been there has been 558, 558 pounds. That's the one we caught. And then um, the other biggest, the biggest one the boat's ever caught was last year in Hatteras. Dad and his brother and uh, the mate and the captain went. And I think that was 655. Wow. <laughs> so, but, man, That's like a- last year uh, somebody caught 900-something pounder. So there, there's some big ones out there for sure. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I go I, like I said, I've grown up going to the beach down there and kind of grown up around that area a little mm-hmm. bit. But I mean, mm-hmm. I, you never really think about. It. Yeah, that's just a little bit of a ways out. Just, just knowing that there's a marlin out there that weighs nine hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, dude. And this, I mean, it's it's all you want. Three big men pulling that that thing in. It's uh, it's tough, no doubt. Um, but your adrenaline is rushing. You're kind of like playing football. You're like all right, we got to get this guy in now and uh, get this everywhere. So, yeah, it's a cool experience, no doubt. It's awesome. All right, I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you, okay? Okay. So, let's say you have – say you're playing a football game. It could be mm-hmm. in, at any level, most likely yeah. the college or pro level, right? Uh-huh. What would you rather have, a big man touchdown or or would you rather pull in and – 850 pound plus marlin man i I might have to go with the marlin 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know there's money for sure on the other end of that one. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, big man touchdown. I haven't had one of those since Pop Warner days. I think flag football. So, I'd, uh, that'd be that'd be a close second for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought that'd be a fun question. No, um, I was that was, was a good one. So. Yeah. You you go fishing in, in this tournament and kind of give our listeners kind of a breakdown on what your average day when you're out on the boat, what what, are, what does that look like, um, preparing the boat, things like that? Yeah, so we have a very good captain and we have a mate and the mate gets all the baits and stuff ready for us the night before. Um, and then, you know, you're out there, I think the start time's nine, but you got to leave at six or 6.30 to get out there. It's a two and a half hour ride. Um, as if it's rough, you got to leave even earlier. So start fishing at nine. Um, and then the, I think lines are out at three is what big rocks rules are. They're all very, um, but I mean, the marlin fishing is kind of slow. Like I guess you can compare it to deer hunting. You know, you don't always, you're not always going to catch a big blue marlin every time you go. You're not going to kill a big deer every time you go. Um, so there's, you catch a couple game fish off and tuna throughout the day. Um, if you catch a big marlin that takes, you know, it could take 15 minutes. It could take an hour to get to the bay. It all depends on how mad it is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, just uh, we just listen to music, drink beer, and uh, really hang out and just watch the lines. And when one pops off, you know, it's time to get in grind mode. So it's uh, it's real chill type of fishing, no doubt. You know, I was gonna say a lot of patience, a lot of trial and error out there. Yeah, sure no doubt, man. Yeah, you know. If one hits, you miss it. You, you know you're pissed off for the rest of the day until you catch yeah. another one for sure. Um, but a lot of time goes into it too. Their captains, man, they captain and the mate, they they put they work their butts off and uh, keep it, uh, keeping it quick. You could leave the boat in the water and not even run it, and it still gets dirty. So it's constant upkeep and uh, bigger the boat, bigger the problems that you have to deal with. So yep. there's a lot, to, a lot on the line for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's. I mean, that, that's something that's always kind of surprised me. And um, just being around there during, during the tournament, just seeing all the people that come in for this, um, do you think it will be a little bit different this year with the social distancing the rather than the big crowds being there? Yeah, so I think, uh, I think they have a fenced off where the weigh station is, maybe 25. I don't know what the state rule is. I think it's maybe 25 feet all around. And then outside of that, I mean, I think they're going to practice as much as they can. There's restaurants there. And um, if everybody's kind of is mindful of each other and not on top of each other, I think we'll be okay. Um, there's been some tournaments canceled already because of it. One, I think one, two in Hatteras or one in Hatteras. Um, but Dare County was one of the bad off counties that got hit pretty hard. So it uh, hasn't affected, you know, they don't say you have to wear a mask on the boat or anything like that. Um, but when you bring one the way in, they're going to make sure not everybody's on top of each other like they usually are. Yeah, definitely. That and that's good to hear. But it's, I mean, we want we want this thing to go away as soon as possible so we can get right. ready for some ECU football. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Me too. Look, looking looking forward to this season. Um, if, if everything gets started on time, right now looking at looking at our roster, looking at our schedule. What, what's your prediction for the year? If you get if you had to give one, I think we're gonna win six games at least. I mean, I, I feel pretty confident about that. I think we've got some good uh, grad transfers, mm-hmm. good transfers coming. I saw that Oklahoma dude just committed. Yeah, he just got him. Another big one, man. Yeah. Houston yeah. putting in some work. Yeah, Dan, they're, they're putting in a lot of work. Um, 
I think uh, I think that Houston's the man for the job. I tell you that. Guy Kirkpatrick's killing it. Trip Re- Trip Weaver's back. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the greatest you know defensive minds that we've been around. Me and Rock, I talk about it all the time. He's so smart, you know, on the defense side of the ball. Um, and he's a great D coordinator as well. Um, but, you know, they, they're the ones you have to lean on, the coaches, to make the right decisions. And it seems like they are, man. They're recruiting. And uh, this COVID stuff didn't stop them from making big-time moves. So, hats off to them. Yeah, most definitely. And when we get back to football, kind of a fun question. Where are we, uh, where, where are we tailgating at this year? Oh man! So we, I, we tailgate on the on the new side where okay. we used to park for practice. I guess it's still kind of grass lot, but there's cement going down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right behind the new tower. Okay, yep. Right, yep, yep, yep. you could throw a football from the back door of the tower to our parking spot. So it's pretty close. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, y'all gotta come check us out. I'll give you a beer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. We'll we'll come down there and we'll we'll come check you out. Um, CJ, so. We, we talked about your your time at ECU. Um, we, we're sure that you and the other guys, we've talked with some of the guys about about how close Nate of a group y'all were, how how uh, much love like a fraternity it was um, mm-hmm. with, with your group of guys. So say you go out after a big win. What, what Where are we going after a big win when you were in Greenville? Where are we going after or where are we going? Yeah, where, where are we going out afterwards? Uh, man, we went in PBs. Shoot, we go everywhere. Fourth. Um, shit, we used to go to Fifth a lot, Fifth Street. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, I go to Still Life, but that was if I was feeling crazy. <laughs> you yeah. Know, not, yeah, you got to so, be motivated to go in there. It's a fun place. You got to go in there and be ready. You got to be hydrated to go in yeah, there, man. It's, it's grown yeah, a lot since yeah. back in the day, but, yeah, it, it wasn't all that cracked up to be uh, back back then, so. Right, exactly. Yeah, I've seen the, what they've done at Still Life, man. Travis is killing it out there mm-hmm. um, up, up top. And uh, yep. I did get a chance to go there, I think, last year when we were visiting for a game. And uh, the, all downtown Greenville is awesome, man. It's just on the come up. And uh, Sup Dogs, you know, everybody's Billy Dunn. He's killing it down there. Yep. So, uh, yep. It's a cool place, for sure. Miss it. Most definitely. So, yeah, that, that kind of leads us into the last question that we ask every guest. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've gotten a chance to listen to the – podcast actually i wanted to ask one other question i had a question from uh, our buddy bryce williams he told me okay that, yeah yeah that's another one i still talk to often frequently he, he actually before we get to that last question we ask i it just i looked down at my notes and i saw it i remembered it um i i kind of reached out to some guys and i was asking them hey what, what's some fun stuff we could talk about and bryce told me to ask you about the nicknames that y'all had for each other he thought maybe the senior year <laughs> oh. yeah we uh have man bryce is crazy you know that uh, we he like that phineas and ferb uh cartoon he, he called <laughs> ferb and i call him finn we always walk in the weight room everybody's all pissed off we're up at 5 30 in the morning me and bryce were always pretty chipper he said like, what are we doing today ferb i called him and i say what are we doing today phineas and it was uh it's just a, a funny joke that was corny but uh it fit our you know, our characters. That's pretty fun. We still call each other that every time we call each other on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Br- Bryce is a good friend of mine. I've known him since high school, so. Okay. So, you know Hudson, uh, Hudson Essex, too, then? I don't know if you know Hudson. He's a, he was, him and Bryce were good friends. Yeah. I, I know John. He, he was a little bit before me. I mean, Bryce was, Bryce was about two years before me, so. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, I got you. So, yeah, yeah. but. 
Um, families grew up with each other. So that, that, that's always okay. been a connection, but yeah. Gotcha. Um, so that once again, going back to our last question that we ask everybody. So you, you said you go out, you go downtown after a big oh, yeah, win. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You go out, you go downtown nights, finishing up maybe two thirty, three o'clock. It's time to get some food in you before you go home and, and sleep until you have to go to practice on Monday, basically. Yeah, that's right. So you go to Sup Dogs to get some food, right? Right. What are you going to order at Sup Dogs when you get there? Uh, I don't even know what it's called. I I just say uh, the the double burger with uh, the cheese fries on top of it. Okay, world classic bacon cheese fries. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) That's uh, that's what I was getting. If we didn't go to Sup Dogs, we went to uh, Omar's. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, Jared, Jared didn't really get to experience Omar's uh, like he should have. I, Omar's is definitely a close second to sub yeah, I, I never understood the point of it's, waiting in line phenomenal. for 45 minutes. <laughs> it is always a long-ass line. I, I, I'm, a big, I'm a big guy, too. So, yeah. I'm like, uh, if I'm hungry, I got to eat. Yeah, yeah when well, it's eat. time, it's time. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Like, once that clock hits, I know, okay, it's time. So I'd either go to I would go to Sub Dogs or I'd go to Satellite Pizza and I'd call it a day. I mean, Subs is definitely yeah. number one, but oh, yeah. Omar's is a close second. Very yeah. Very I've second. never I don't think I've ever had Satellite Pizza. Was that new? That was the Michelangelo's. Uh, oh, gotcha, got well, yeah. Not, I, right next to Omar's, kind of got busted yeah. from some crazy weird weird stuff going on, but I, um, I doubt it. I doubt we, it. We we love all Greenville businesses. So. Oh yeah, man. They're uh awesome awesome place i mean i'm like i said i miss it um all our memories you know we're on the football field we had a lot of great memories down there as well and uh you know those boys you, you hang out with they still hang out with them after college and uh it's really created a cool bond so. definitely well cj we wanted to thank you for uh joining us today we know mm-hmm. uh you you put on hold going out on the boat but um we thank you for that hopefully uh hopefully when it comes to football season We'll be able to come down and tailgate, tailgate with you for a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, you got my number. You hit, hit me up anytime. Like I said, we'll have some good food and good drinks. Yeah, and uh, good luck in that Big Rock uh, Marlin tournament as well. Go go catch a big Marlin for us. All right, man. That sounds good. If, I, if we catch the big one, win. We'll have to do another podcast. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All, right. All right. It was a blast. Jason. All right, no, Thanks, man. Have a good one. So once again, we wanted to thank uh, CJ for joining us on this week's podcast. Great interview. Great guy to talk to. Uh, just kind of a fun talk when we're in the dog days of summer and yeah. not much else going on, especially with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Artie, um, what, what were your thoughts about, about talking with CJ? Yeah, it was a great interview. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know too much about the, the Big Rock Marlin tournament. I didn't know it was actually based out of uh, Beaufort. Um, and so it was, it was interesting to, to, to hear that and to get that perspective from him and family tradition of them, you know, doing that. Um, and so that was, that was really exciting to hear that from him and just, you know, hearing his, his, you know, fondest memories of ECU and him and Shane Carden and, 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 and those guys. So very, very happy that we could sit down with CJ and hopefully, uh, we get to tailgate with him in the fall. Yeah, uh, definitely. When when football comes back, so. CJ, we are going to take you up on this off on that offer. So. Oh yeah. Don't, don't think we won't. Um, yeah, no, no, we absolutely will. We will take you be up there. On that offer. Um, but yeah, so Artie, 
once again this week, Coach Houston has done it. Another one. Uh, Another one. Drop the drop the DJ Khaled and let's do it again. Uh, if we had a soundboard, we'd have, we'd have dropped that. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to figure that out. We're, we're still <laughs> learning. If someone wants to become our producer for this podcast, yeah. I'm still trying to figure this stuff out. We're trying to figure out how to edit stuff in. But, yeah, another one. Um, so, yeah, uh, Mike Houston goes out, and he's brought in six, six grad All transfers. All within the last – All within, like, the last – Three months? Two months, yeah. really. I mean – how crazy is that? Uh, uh, I mean, I don't remember really any big time uh, grad transfers over the last maybe one or two. Every but, now, but and you're then, not but getting you're not getting them from your Alabamas. You're right. not getting them from your Oklahoma, Oklahoma, you know? Arkansas. You're not, and, and even App State, which is a great program. You know? Yeah. So, so I mean, you're not getting them from those schools, the UNCs, the NC States, maybe occasionally from them, but you're not getting them from from all those other. Power five with right. air quotation since those of you that are watching the video portion, there's no video portion. <laughs> uh, don't see my air quotes. I'm putting power five in quotation marks. You know, I like to call it the P6. Mm-hmm. That's for damn sure. Maybe even P5 if we drop uh, the Pac-12, but that's another story for another day. Um, so, Artie, what can you tell me about Ryan Jones? Ryan Jones, man, he's uh, he's he's a Charlotte kid. He's a North Carolina kid. Hell went yeah! To, um, went to Mallard Creek High School. We won't which, hold it against him. Yeah, we, we're not going to hold that I'm, against I'm, him. But. I'm kidding. I, I don't mind <laughs> Mallard Creek. <laughs> they, look, they're, they're they're a powerhouse football program uh, in the state of North Carolina. Uh, but he he went to Oklahoma originally um, as a wide receiver slash tight end, and they yep. they transformed him into a linebacker, which was not his natural role. But he actually, you know, was able to start three games in 2018. He played in 11 games in 2018 under Ruffin McNeil and under uh, Leakin Riley. Um, I think he had his best game uh, was his first start in which he had eight tackles. Uh, Damn, son. Now, mind you, this is a kid that, that didn't want to play linebacker. He transitioned, you know, and pretty it, nicely. He's honestly kind of small for a linebacker. Right, right. Um, and so now he gets the opportunity. Uh, you know, I know Coach Houston had promised him that he's going to give him an opportunity to play his more natural position of uh, slot receiver slash tight end when he comes to ECU. So really excited to get this guy. I mean, some of his high school numbers, his senior year, um, 31 catches, 541 yards, seven touchdowns, um, you know, coming out of Mallard Creek, which, you know, that's, if you don't know anything about Mallard Creek, they probably had three or four other guys on that team that, you know, had numbers comparable to him. So that's why he didn't have the gaudy stats, but those are still pretty good numbers. Um, so really excited to get this kid coming into the program. Um, you know, like we said, Houston is just killing it right now. I mean, he really is. He's bringing in guys that are hungry, guys that are the focus, guys that want to continue on their their journey with college football and, and and studs. You know, he's getting he's getting some real thoroughbred studs. And the one the one thing, especially the ones from Alabama, Oklahoma, and even a little bit from the one from Arkansas. Um, when you, when you talk about these transfers, there's one thing they all have in common. Mm-hmm. It's not that they played at a power school or played at a big name school or whatever. It's that they played at a winning program. Mm-hmm. They know what it takes to win big games, and that's the most important thing. And they know what it takes. They know what it feels like to be in that big moment. Right. So they're not they're not going to shy away from it. They're going to go into it and they're going to pop somebody in the mouth. I mean, we're talking about kids that have played in college football playoffs. 
Yeah. And we're talking about the biggest stages in, in yeah. college football. So we got a guy that's a national champion. Yeah. So, I mean, these, these, these guys really know what it takes to win. And, and I'm, I've, I can't wait to, you know, I've already said this, but I'll, I'll say it again, just their leadership and what they provide to that locker room. I know we have a lot of guys in our locker room right now that haven't gotten a taste of true success, and I cannot wait for their leadership That's to just going to change this just, year. Yeah, just, just rub off on them, you know, because I, I really think our team is going to exude confidence when they come out on the field this year. Yeah, so uh, just real quick, with um, Ryan Jones, the, the new transfer from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Former linebacker going to come in, play wide receiver and tight end at ECU, um, play slot receiver, um, which should open it up a little bit. Hopefully, I, I believe you'll start to see ECU run with one, at least one tight end mm-hmm. on almost every play, if not two. Um, something that hasn't really happened since we had Bryce Williams uh, playing tight end. So, hopefully, we'll, we'll see some more of that going on, um, open up some of those long-range receivers like your C.J. Johnson, mm-hmm. your Blake Prohl, or um, Tyler Sneed. Yep. Um, hopefully give, get them some more opportunities because they'll be have, they'll have to put somebody on somebody in that slot. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to see that um, coming this year. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, the offensive side of the ball, man. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I, we're we're going to be – we're going to put up some points this year. I think the offense is going to be scary good, man. I, I, I don't see us winning, you know – more than seven to eight games, but I, I you know, because I think our defense still has a long way to go. But I think our offense is going to put up a lot of points, man. I really do. I really truly believe that we got some studs on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I think uh, with friend of the podcast, uh, Coach Harrell, mm-hmm. uh, defensive coordinator of ECU. I mean, I think I think having him kind of that new voice in in the part. Yeah, he's going to get those guys defense. in the right direction. Um, plus, I mean, they're they're doing some good recruiting on that side. And who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe this uh, new guy, it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't work out. We've got several tight ends now on the roster. Mm-hmm. If maybe he's played linebacker so long, maybe he doesn't go back to being a tight end. Maybe he doesn't live up to it. Mm-hmm. He's also played linebacker in the Big Twelve, right? Like he's played against Texas. He's played against some of these big these big boy schools, right? Mm-hmm. He's played against the West Virginias. He knows what it Some takes. Some of the best offenses in the country. He's so I mean, there's no def. I mean, sorry to say it, but there's really no defense in the in the Big Twelve. So, but you still got to be a decent guy to keep Big Twelve offenses from scoring 100 points every week. Yeah. So, um, ho- hopefully this uh, this transfer will will come in, and I-, I like to see that he's got two years of eligibility. He's not just a Using a term from pro sports, he's not a rental player. Mm-hmm. He's going to come in. He's going to join the culture, become part of the culture, and leave a impact on ECU right. um, immediately. So that's I mean, Stephen Igo wrote about it in, in one of his blogs earlier this week about how Houston's not just bringing in big name guys. He's bringing in big name guys that can make an impact. Right now, right now, yep, and for two years, mm-hmm. he's going after those guys specifically. Yep, that can make an impact now and carry us over into the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Letting these younger guys kind of grow in with those guys. Right. Um, Scotty Montgomery didn't really leave much of a of a pantry to say of impact 
older guys. Right. But now Coach Houston is kind of building that in to their already decent roster. Yeah. So, that I mean, that, that's that's something that excites me about these transfers. And you could already tell the difference between Houston and, and, and Montgomery with just, just in recruiting. You know, recruiting really is the – the, the big deal when it, when it comes to college football. Yeah, when you can get solid recruits to come in and out of your, uh, excuse me, of your, of your program, uh, that's how you know you're really building something special. Um, and, you know, nothing against Scotty Montgomery. I, I, like, you know, I think he's a great guy. Uh, I just did not think he was ready for that role. I've met him. He's all right. <laughs> he was, I've, I've never met the guy, so I'm just going to assume that he's a, he's a decent guy. Um, but he, I, I, I could just tell he wasn't ready for that kind of a role. He, he still needed to be a coordinator in my opinion. Um, but Houston is someone with all the experience that he has. You know, you, you can really tell the difference between Montgomery and Houston. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, these transfers. I'm, I'm excited for this, this upcoming football season to get underway. Yes, and so am I. Um, I'm really, I mean, I'm really excited just mainly because of the culture he's built around ECU, mm-hmm. around uh, the team, um, which takes me into kind of the last topic I really wanted to talk about today. Um, we talked about it for about 10 minutes last week on, on last week's podcast. We're not going to have that same discussion this week. Um, we've already said our piece. We've already said what we wanted to say. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to kind of just give a shout-out and give our uh, praise to the ECU football team, to the ECU coaching staff, who haven't shied away from trying to be supportive of the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if... I'm sure that all of you have seen the video now. There's a video going around um, that ECU Athletics and ECU Football tweeted out earlier this week um, talking about how in their locker room mm-hmm. they, they're not going to shy away from it. They're not going to – they're going to treat each other – as human beings, they're gonna. They thrive off of their differences. They're respectful, exactly, and and their differences makes makes them come together. It, it, it's what makes them special. You know, we all know what's going on in the country right now, and I I really appreciate what Houston and, and all the players are are doing as well. That you know, it was only a forty six second video, but that's all it needed to be. Um, you know, like I told you, it gave me absolute chills when I when I watched it. Um, yep, and that, that's what we said both when we both watched it. It kind of gave us chills. It gave us goosebumps and. Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Wow, man, that's a that's powerful." But, as, but see, that's that's what it's about, you know. That's you know, not shying away from doing the right thing, always putting yourself, you know, not not leaving yourself vulnerable, but just putting yourself out there, and letting letting people know how you actually feel about these topics. Yep. You know. Yeah. So um, once again, great job on on that to everybody in the ECU marketing department, ECU mm-hmm. athletics marketing department, um, putting that together, but also. Um, the, to the students and to the to the coaches who have instilled that in our our kids and in, in our athletes. I mean that that's something that I mean Joe Dooley and Mike Houston got on a call with I, I believe it was Kim McNeil was on the call, ECU women's basketball coach. Um, Dr. Hardy, vice chancellor was on the call and I believe there was one other I know Joe Dooley was on the call. Mike Houston, I think there was one other coach or one other athlete on the call. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of having a, a forum between athletes and, and the coaches and um, and talking about what's going on in America. I, I think that's 
good for ECU to have right now. Yeah. Um, and ECU isn't the only school that's doing it. They're not the only program no. that's doing it. You know, a lot, a lot of people are doing it, but it is important to still highlight the fact that they are doing it. Yep. And that is, that's what's important. Yep. And uh, we're, we're, we're proud alumni every day, but more so when we see stuff like this. Absolutely. Um, so, Artie, last thing, um, we, we've gone through another podcast. We're about an hour into it right now. Um, just wanted to see what's your final thoughts. Final thoughts, man. Uh, great podcast. Another another great episode. Really enjoyed the interview with CJ. Um, you know, this past weekend we had the, the, the good fortune of going golfing. Yep, and, I'm so uh, sore. <laughs> Jared hadn't been golfing in about a year. I am so I'm so sore. Y'all. I went about two weeks ago, and I can say we played about the same, which was trash. <laughs> but, like now, I will say. So we've talked about my highlight of scoring that touchdown in the intramurals. I I had someone come pretty close to it yesterday. I sank probably about a 45 foot putt. We both sank some good putts yesterday. And you, yours was yours was actually very, very nice. I, like first hole, I was like, "Oh damn, this is gonna be a good day." Well, yeah. By about hole four or five, I'd forgotten all about the putt, and I was shanking balls left and right. But you know, my my final thoughts is that I'm you know sadly might have to retire from the game of golf. No, no, no. <laughs> I might be hanging it up, we, calling it quits. We, we've talked with some uh, some former ECU football players about getting some content going with <laughs> us going out on the course with them, but uh, unfortunately, I think one of the guys who plays. Almost every weekend is gonna take us for all of our money. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> so, not gonna be close. Um, maybe we'll have to call our our friend uh, Harold Varner the third and <laughs> get him to give us some lessons. Uh, a great a great pirate. I'm gonna need something. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. I, the only final thought that I have is that I hope that uh, college game day comes to Greenville. I think it would be a perfect opportunity. For ECU, I think it'd be a perfect opportunity for ESPN and for the sports world to come together, finally be together, whether we're at home or on campus at ECU watching this football game. Um, I think think that's what we need. I think that's what our country needs. I think that's what our um, sports fans need, Mm -hmm. college sports fans especially need is they need to be able to come together and have something to be excited about. So hopefully ESPN and the university can get together and work something out to where we're working all together just to, I mean, just to be able to social distance, but also be um, a light for everything else that's going on, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement, whether it's the, uh, the COVID-19 or the 50-year anniversary of the plane crash. We want to show solidarity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think hopefully all of that can happen once we can get college game day to come. And one more final thought. I just want to, I just want to throw this out there. Pirate Nation, um, I'm challenging everyone in Pirate Nation, go out to somebody that you do not know this week and tell them that you care about them. I, you don't have to go out and have a conversation with them or none of that. Just go out of your way to tell a stranger, hey, I care about you. I'm thinking about you. We're in this together. That's just my final thought. And even with that, just a simple smile, that's something I've been trying to do, Mm -hmm. is if I see somebody, no matter what color, whatever, gender, whatever, I don't, I mean, you can't tell that by looking at them, but no matter what, just trying to smile at somebody. Right. Like, trying to say, hey, just trying to be 
courteous. Be a, be nice to somebody. Just be nice. Like, just just go nice. out and just be courteous and just do the do the humanly thing. Unless it's Dave Dorn, then <laughs> walk the other way. All right. Well, on that note, that wraps up another episode of the Boneyard Podcast. Once again, I'm Jared. I'm Artie. Um, we hope that y'all enjoyed it. And we'll be back to you next week with episode 14. Absolutely. Stay safe, Power Nation. Stay safe. Send us some questions. All right. Peace out, y'all.